Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. Just a reminder before we get started that the One Shot Podcast Network is having a Patreon drive right now. We're trying to get to $7,500 a month by our anniversary in August, and if we do, then James will release their Feng Shui 3 episodes, the first of which is available in the Secret Archives. Speaking of the Secret Archives, Modifier will be contributing to that stash soon. More details on that to come. If you want to become a patron, we're at patreon.com slash one-shot-podcast, and the Secret Archive level is just $5 a month. This week, I talked to Cinda Lana and Phil Vecchione, who you might know from a number of other excellent podcasts. They've been hacking Lasers and Feelings, a one-page RPG that's super good for cons and especially for playing Star Trek stories. We talk about the challenges and opportunities that come with hacking such a deceptively small game and the two totally different directions they've each taken their hack in. Let's get to the show. Joining me this week, I have got two pandas, uh, Senda Leno <laughs> and Phil Vecchione, to talk about hacking Lasers and Feelings. Um, so why don't the two of you introduce yourselves a little bit, where people might know you from. Sure. For real this time. For reals. <laughs> I'm Phil Vecchione. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Misdirected Mark podcast. Um, I'm also um, one of the co-hosts and one of the pandas from Pandas Talking Games. And um, I am also a uh, game designer, uh, blogger, and uh, publisher. Um, I own um, Encoded Designs, the little hippie commune that I run with uh, a bunch of friends. And um, we make uh, games and stuff. And uh, I'm Senda Leno, and I am one half of the She's a Super Geek podcast, where we do actual play highlighting women as GMs. And I am one, the other half, I shouldn't say one half, I'm the other half of Pandas Talking Games, <laughs> um, where we talk about cool game mechanics from the perspective of one shots and campaigns. Um, and I, uh, this, <laughs> what else do I do? Um, I, uh, and I, I sometimes write for Gnome Stew. That's what I do. That's me. Oh, yeah. In a nutshell. Absolute. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so glad to have both halves of Pandas Talking Games <laughs> on. Um, how, okay, how did you become pandas? I don't know if everybody knows this. <laughs> so so it, it, it started, I'll, I'll let Senda finish it, but I'll, I'll okay. tell the starting of it. So we decided to, um, we decided to have a podcast, but we didn't know what the mm -hmm. podcast was going to be about, and we didn't know what to call it. And we worked our way through and figured out the one shots versus campaigns thing. And we wound up calling it talking games. And we really didn't check the internet to see if anyone else had a podcast called talking games. Yeah. Good. Good job. <laughs> so Panda comes from, um, Phil and Senda. So originally it was called the, the Panda project or like codename Panda because <laughs> we didn't know what to call it. Mm. And, um, and it ended up being that like in the RSS feed and stuff, because when we told, uh, when we told Chris to set it up, he was just like, yeah, and put that in because we didn't really have the name hammered out yet. Oh. So, um, so it was already like all over the place with Panda attached to it and like people couldn't find it and stuff. So oh, we're like, okay, okay. <laughs> so we're going to make it Panda's Talking Games because that differentiates us from the other talking games. And then um, the panda is for Phil and Senda, so it's really Phil and Senda's talking games. So it kind of makes sense. That's why there's an apostrophe, which confuses everyone, the apostrophe. Mm. Yes, grammar people constantly grammar people email and like, tweet at us and are like, why? you shouldn't have that apostrophe there. And we're like, oh, why? no, we should. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. It's an abbreviation. 
So, uh, yeah. That's the panda part. And it has become a very entertaining um, marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you if you run into <laughs> Phil and or Senda at a con, you may get a panda hat. It's true. <laughs> and in the cooler mm-hmm. months, we will wear our panda hoodies. Right. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen like this summer. Yeah, I don't think it's happening for summer cons. Yeah, yeah. Mm, you need like some panda t-shirts or something. Ooh. Don't give me ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have the both of you on because you have uh, each of you now hacked lasers and feelings, which is um, a I don't know it's it's a pretty low um, or not low but like rules light system, which I think I uh, I think we talked about this a little bit at the last con, but I have not actually played a straightforward vanilla lasers and feelings game. <laughs> so for me and for the heroes who do not know what lasers and feelings is, um, can you guys tell us a little bit about what that game is? Yeah, do you do you want to start or do you want me to talk first, Phil? No, you should you should talk about it because you're the one who actually ran it for me the first time. <laughs> right. Oh, so S- this is Senda's fault. Uh, well, this yeah. is actually the first this is actually the, the first time we met. We yes. met at a gaming table and mm. Senda was running this um at a con at Tacticon in two thousand fifteen, I think. Yeah, that is exactly right. Ooh. So I got hooked on it because I heard it on uh one shot, of course. Um but so mm-hmm. this is it's it's a one page RPG. Um, it is a D6 system um, and it's it's very cool in that it is half about feelings and half about logic. So um, when you roll your die, um, that D6 in this game, you're going for um, and frankly, I can never remember if it's high for logic or low for logic. I always have to look at the sheet for that. But <laughs> you're trying to roll high for one and low for the other one. Um, and and basically I love it. I adore it for convention play, especially because um, for me, it runs in about two hours, usually Um, longer than that. I actually find sometimes is dragging things out and I'm like, no, 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 come to an end. Sometimes I could use more time, but um, so it usually runs for me in about two hours because it's literally one sheet of paper and half of that is for the players and half of that is tables for the GM. Um, it's very straightforward mm-hmm. to run and it means that me as a GM, I'm surprised by what I'm doing every time. So I'm, I'm also thinking on the fly, just like my players are because I just roll on these tables. I'm like, okay, how do I make this stuff work together? Which is fun. Um, and then, um, I love it also for having a really fast character creation process, which is just picking a bunch of adjectives and picking a number and then going with it. So basically I think John Harper is a genius. Um, and I love this game. (laughs) Yeah. And and so this game setting wise, this game is basically a, um, it's a Star Trek style game. So all the tropes, um, all the themes and everything else are uh, very much, uh, Star Trek. And so, uh, when you're playing it, it plays out very much like a um, really kind of wacky and zany Star Trek episode. Right. So now I'll tell you the ironic part of this whole story, which is that <laughs> Phil is super into Star Trek. And I ran this game the first time he ever encountered Lasers and Feelings. I was running it for him. And I run it pretty frequently at conventions mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, I'm... I'm not a Trekkie only by way of like not having consumed the media, right? So like I don't, I'm not steeped in the tropes and I'm not like I haven't watched hours and hours of it. Um, and I will tell you that somehow this game still ends up working out pretty well. <laughs> um, and like making you play the genre without even necessarily, without like having a super good handle on it. I mean, I'm, of course I'm familiar with Star Trek. Um, 
But mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like the down and, and specific detail stuff, I'm not really. And it's it's just fantastic because it still plays fine. <laughs> he still had fun. Woohoo. <laughs> that's excellent. I think that's a mark of a, a good game like that really knows what it's doing, that you can you can have that sort of knowledge just through cultural osmosis and still like have a really good game play yeah. session. Like that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. So that's another it's just a thing I really like about it. Um, yeah. And I will throw one more random tidbit out. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> one more random tidbit about Lasers and Feelings. It's named Lasers and Feelings because he was listening to the double click song, Lasers and Feelings. And I don't know exactly Yay! how that connection happened, but it is in fact named after that song. So every time I hear it, oh I always God. sing that in my head. So that's just another fun facet of the entire thing. Oh, that's so good. I love them. I like when all the things I like are connected. That's so good. Right. It just <laughs> converges. It's great. It's a good song. <laughs> Cute. Phil, did you sign up to play because it was a Star Trek game? Was no. That how it was built? <laughs> no, actually, here. so here's what happened. So uh, Tacticon is uh, a really heavy Savage Worlds, Pathfinder, and D&D kind of convention. And I was there to run a bunch of Fate and Dungeon World. And so I was lacking players and so was Senda. And so somebody grabbed me and was like, oh, hey, you don't have any players for your game. Why don't you just come in, sit in and play Lasers and Feelings? Yep. Mm, pretty much like that. Okay. <laughs> nice. Serendipity then. Yeah. Very yes, cool. indeed. Phil, were you the first one um, between the two of you to hack Lasers and Feelings? I think. Yeah. Yeah, between the two of us, I was um, I, I I did Rocker Boys and vending machines first. Yeah. <laughs> so, what made you want to hack lasers and feelings? So this is how. So now this is how most. This will be my secret. This is how most of my game design occurs. Is that Chris and I are hanging out, um, recording misdirected Mark, and in the middle of it. I kind of went on a like just like a little just like a little sideways tear about like oh yeah I could totally I could totally hack lasers and feelings to play like a cyberpunk game and then I stopped for a second on like on the mics and just started thinking about it I was like mm -hmm. yeah I could totally <laughs> hack this game to run a cyberpunk game and so uh one day I was sitting around and I had a huge chunk of uh time I was actually so because no one else will be listening to this that I, work with. <laughs> I was at work and um we were testing we were sitting in a data center testing network connections so literally like plug this cable in take this cable out plug this cable in, take this cable out and it, i was recording all the test results which was like super boring and there was a lot of downtime between tests so i just took out a google doc and i was like I'm going to start hacking this thing right now just to get like entertain myself mm -hmm. until this day's over. And, and that's what I did. I just, you know, I took uh, lasers and feelings. I literally paste cut and pasted lasers and feelings into a Google doc and, and then went to work. Excellent. And before we get into exactly what rocker boys and vending machines are <laughs> slash is, I, I'm going to mess up the grammar with this very, very often. Um, <laughs> What what was appealing about lasers and feelings? Is it is it like that? It was a one page system, or was it something about the play experience? Like yeah, so it's it's actually both. Um, so it's it's great because it's a, it's a super short game, and it and it's fantastic. Like lasers and feelings is fantastic for running at conventions. It's fantastic for running off the cuff because there's no prep work involved in the game, and so like my my con kit always carries 
a handful of copies of Lasers and Feelings, um, including, a, you know, including mm-hmm. one laminated one for me. <laughs> and, and so I always, I always have it. So at like a moment's notice, if there's like, you know, a few hours and no one, and people are between games, it's like, oh, let's, let's, you know, here, everybody grab an index card. We're going to play this. And then the thing is, everybody that I've played it with has a blast. Like everybody's dying laughing and, uh, it just, the stories are fantastic and ridiculous. And, and like Cinda said, like I'm actually a big Trek nerd. So I actually can lean like pretty heavily on, on those <laughs> tropes and, and really kind of, um, you know, pull stuff from, you know, all of the series and, and then kind of make it happen. And so, yeah, like I just, I just liked it. And then I love cyberpunk. So I, you know, I basically did the, you know, the Reese's peanut butter cup, you know, put the chocolate in the peanut butter kind of thing. Tell me yeah. either one of you knows what that reference is. Yes. Um, yes, yes. I promise. <laughs> okay. I didn't want to I didn't want to be that old on this yeah. on this recording. Thank no, you. no, no. I feel like that's I feel like that's still a relevant reference. That or I need to watch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Senda. <laughs> oh. I'm not God. on video. He didn't catch me. <laughs> Oh boy, I'll take care of this after. I'll take care of this after. (laughs) It's fine. I'll deal with this. Oh boy. I think you said that intentionally. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay, so I know, I, I understand the concepts of lasers and feelings. Those are words I understand. Phil, what are rocker boys and vending machines? I mean, I guess I know what a vending machine is, but still. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So I'll try to, I will try not to make this story too long. Again, the misdirected, mark, <laughs> the misdirected Mark podcast. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, like a year or two ago, I had gotten the urge to write a cyberpunk toolkit for fate. And I was, um, I had been writing it for like a month or two and I had some text together and we were play testing it. And I, Chris and I were talking about it on the mics and I had this example for hacking that involved hacking a vending machine. And, uh, Mm -hmm. Chris made fun of me for, you know, hacking a vending machine. I was like, no, I'm like in the future, like vending machines will totally be like smart vending machines. Like you would totally hack it to get like, you know, food or credit or whatever. Sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, they already take credit cards. What do you, yeah. yeah. I mean, after that, it's just a matter of like knowing what your preferences are for food and stuff like that. And, you know, the idea of autonomous mm-hmm. vending machines seemed, you know, uh, plenty reasonable. And yeah. the, right. so the rock, so the rocker boy part actually is a throwback to the original cyberpunk role playing game by our Talsorian games where rocker boy was, um, a class you could play. It was basically the cyberpunk bard. Uh-huh. And, okay. um, and then just because we were being ridiculous on the mics, like we started talking about rocker boys and vending machines would be like the name of the cyberpunk toolkit that I was writing. Mm. And, and the toolkit actually wound up not, um, going anywhere. I, I wrote it for a while and then I got more interested in the setting that I was creating for it, which is going to be my next game that I'm going to publish called Hydro Hackers. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I started working on Hydro Hackers instead of finishing the toolkit. So I never used, I never used the name. And so once we got to kicking around a cyberpunk hack of lasers and feelings, I was like, oh, it's got to be called Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. Like that, it just, that's what it has to be. 
so that's the long and convoluted, but, but most of, so most of my inspiration for game design happens while I'm on the mics. I, yeah, I'm, I'm noticing that. That's pretty cool, actually. Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, are those, uh, like, diametrically opposed things that you are, ro- like, what are you rolling, uh, wherein lasers and feelings you would be? Yeah, absolutely. So instead of, instead of lasers and feelings, instead of lasers and feelings, you're rolling against machine, which is, you know, technology, science, um, calm, precise mm-hmm. action, or you're rolling against rock, which is like your intuition, diplomacy, seduction, passion, oh. that kind of thing. Okay. That makes sense. That's pretty cool. Are they, um, I mean, I guess like there's there's not a lot of of hard and fast rules about any of these games. So when you run Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, that's that's like you're uh, you're leaning on the cyberpunk tropes when you do that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, every everything about it is uh, everything about it is uh, cyberpunk. So the uh, the adjectives mm-hmm. you use to uh, create your character um, are all cyberpunk adjectives. And then the kind of the one big change is that in laser in lasers and feelings you as a group uh you create your ship so um you pick out some traits for your ship mm-hmm. and then like that becomes kind of a running um theme slash joke through the game in rocker boys <laughs> and vending machines uh there there wasn't you know for cyberpunk there isn't really a place for a ship so instead of a sure. group activity there's a individual player activity and that is you create your cybernetic implant. So you get like one really cool cybernetic implant that lets you do something. And, um, and then you have to give it some traits, uh, much like the ship. So there's some kind of really funny and kind of, uh, leading, uh, mm-hmm. traits. Like you can have, um, you know, you can have a cyber arm, but it's, uh, it's freeware, you know, ad supported freeware powered arm. <laughs> oh, that's good. And, and then Senda Ears is the heck that I have had the pleasure of playing, at least yes. in a, a testing capacity. The the very first version that was ever played. Yeah, it was very fun. What are you turning lasers and feelings into? Um, so I am turning lasers and feelings into love and justice, which is a magical mm-hmm. girl hack of lasers and feelings. <laughs> um, because... Nice. Um, yeah, because I do love the way that that game runs, and uh, and this is a genre that I suddenly seem to be running a lot of games in. I really enjoy it. Um, I've been running a lot of Magical Girls One Last Job, <laughs> um, and then I was like, wait, yeah. I, could, I could do this other ways, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's potential to turn literally every system into a Magical Girl system, and I am I'm here for it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think we're just going to slowly attack the world system by system, just convert everything. <laughs> yes. So how uh, how have you adapted Lasers and Feelings for the Magical Girl genre? Well, so there's um, it's it's pretty close. It's actually pretty close to the original. There's um, there's one thing that you still create as a group, and it's not a ship anymore. It's kind of like your group. Mm-hmm. Um, persona. So like if you are um, all about flowers or if you're straight up Sailor Scouts or, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. thing is that is sort of your tying together point as a as a group of characters. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing that, um, that I added in too is um, it's a help die mechanic. And it's something, it's the last piece that I'm still tinkering with just a tiny bit. Although I think I've got it. It just needs to be play tested again. <laughs> um, so the last piece is a. Just let a, me know. Yeah, I know. I totally will. Um, it's a help dive mechanic, so that um, so that everybody basically has a chance to contribute, and then you can have that 
epic like um season finale scene where you all combine your characters powers together to create your awesome cool combined power because you've been helping each other out and supporting each other in this like friendly relationship way which i feel is really magical girls to like you know have that help and support you mm-hmm. can do everything going on um yeah. So there's, there's that part, there's the help die mechanic, and then the help die mechanic feeds into an end game um, where because of the nature of magical girls and the ongoing episodic nature of that kind of genre, um, I, I do treat a game of love and justice as like an individual episode of a TV show instead of like, this is the whole story. Um, so when you end the game and you have those um, help dice, depending on how they roll for everybody, um, kind of affects the outcome. So basically they determine, is this the season finale and everything's happy? Or, um, you know, how happy does it end? Or is this the cliffhanger right before the season finale where like everything <laughs> just went wrong? Like, um, so there's, there's an aspect of that that I find really entertaining for from a GM perspective, where it's basically like, um, you know, if the dice rolls well, then that's something that goes in the favor of the magical girls. And if the dice rolls badly, then that's something that I basically get to use as a GM intrusion. So it's kind of similar to um, like the epilogue of a Questlandia game um, in basically in terms of using the dice to say, okay, but a good thing happened, but a bad thing happened, but a good thing happened. Um, and just sort of wrap okay. the story like that. So that's that's my my extra little sneaky in thing is um, the help die mechanic mm-hmm. plus um, the epilogue um, that works from those dice. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, actually. <laughs> no, it's it sounds really cool, which is actually um, a really good question that I should see if you guys can help answer. Yeah. The lasers and feelings like how how does that game? How is it structured? Like, how do you get to an end game? How How does it like fit within two hours? I guess like. Um, well, I mean, so it fits within two hours for me because I tend to, I, I have a fascination to a certain extent with, um, you know, breaking, breaking what we consider standard time barriers for one shots. So, you know, I have gone to conventions and run five minute RPGs for people and I have, and I run four hour RPGs oh, wow. and I like everything in the middle. Um, so I, I run it really short and really long. Um, it actually st- started for me with lasers and feelings. Um, the first time I ran it, I think it ran about two hours just kind of naturally. The second time I ran it, mm. I ran it for the double clicks and they were like, we have an hour. Oh my gosh. And, and I was like, okay, anytime you have is amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Um, and so I was wow. like, no, I can, I can run it in an hour. I can totally run it in an hour. And I did. Um, <laughs> so the thing, the thing that I would say with lasers and feelings, it, it, in and of itself, lasers and feelings, it doesn't actually draw you to a conclusion point. It is up to you as a GM Hmm. to wrap that game. So you have to be, um, you have to be able to kind of wrap it up. Um, like you can solve the problem. And then if the players just keep going, like you could just keep going forever. Like, because inevitably, like along the way of actually solving whatever problem it is that you rolled out or picked from the charts or made up, you know, I mean, you could totally make it up if you wanted to, but that requires effort. Actually, um, Benda, <laughs> yes. <laughs> take a breath Ooh. and mention the charts. Well, I mentioned the charts earlier, <laughs> but I think it's worth. I think it's worth explaining that, like, the charts actually create uh, the right. problem. They do actually create a problem. So they basically they basically create a structure of sentences that say um, it's something along the lines of like um, the you know some entity, and then there's a, a list, and you roll a d6 because you only have to have a you know, some D6 to play this game. 
um, there is an X that is trying to Y in order to accomplish Z. Um, and that's how the, the mm -hmm. tables work. So you roll on those three tables to find out what's happening. <laughs> I actually, I just, I have a copy right here. So it's, it, it's a threat and then you roll the D6. Wants to, and then you roll a D6. The, and then you roll a D6 for basically the target, yep. which will, and then you roll a D6 for like what will happen if they don't stop this. Yes. So like, for instance, okay. I'll just do, I'll just do one at random. Yep. Um, Cyber zombies want to steal void crystals, which will rip a hole in reality. Yep. So that's that's how yeah. you th I, you sit down with this sentence and you just run a game. But the inevitability mm -hmm. is um, because lasers and feelings. Um, actually, I think it, it might have also been the first game I ever ran that really pushed hard on partial successes. And mm -hmm. uh, and so what happens is. Your players will accomplish things a lot, but sometimes in accomplishing things, or frequently in accomplishing things, you also are introducing complications. So even once they actually resolve the actual problem, there's still probably some other stuff you could keep going on if you wanted to. Um, I usually just, I usually kind of cut it in pretty quickly once they've resolved the issue. And that one sentence, I just find maybe it's just my play style. I don't know how long it lasts for you, Phil. Mm -hmm. For me, two hours is a pretty good target. Yeah, you know, two hours is basically, I think, the sweet spot. And I think if you're if you play it just to conclude that sentence that you create at the beginning, yeah, I think two hours uh, winds up being pretty logical. And the thing with lasers and feelings is that the opening paragraph of the game gives you the setup, which it's is basically so <laughs> that the captain has slipped into a coma, and the yeah. rest of you are the bridge oh, no. crew. And now this stuff is happening, and so you have to go deal with it. And so. Uh, it, so it has like this instant hook, like it brings you right in and it's like, oh, you're the bridge crew and the captain's unconscious. And then there's a problem. And so it's like, well, solve this problem. And then like Senda said, uh, because the rolling the dice, there's often a, like you succeed, but there's a complication. Things kind of mm -hmm. propel themselves along. And yeah, yeah, about, about two hours. Cause there are, there aren't a ton of mechanics yeah. to the game. So after two hours, you've kind of expended um, yeah. all the mechanical parts of the game. Yeah, you can you can start getting into like some weird repetitive like uh this is kind of doesn't actually feel fun because the pace isn't driving forward. Like when I've gone longer than 2 hours um significantly, then I've been kind of like this game wasn't really meant to run this long. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and I guess if if a if a group really fell in love with their characters or something it's you could shift to another system, but um that's that's interesting that it, or, it just or sort you of could just, you has could have another natural link. You could, right. You could just have another episode. Right, but later, like not go. in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you take a break yeah. and then bring yeah, your crew next back. week. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You could use it very episodically, which is part of the reason I liked it for Magical Girls, you know. Yeah, there just isn't there isn't an advancement system. So you can keep no. playing the same characters, but there's nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah, you're never going to get any better. Okay. It's uh, yeah, so it's 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 like episodic TV, everything re returns to the status quo at the end of the episode and you Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Those those tables, it sounds like they're like they're just specific enough to give you an I idea of what's happening, um, a starting point, but still vague enough, you know, that you can kind of tell the same prompt in different ways. What was that like making up your own tables? Is that like a hard line to walk? 
I, I stuck I, I stuck right with it. Like I looked at I looked at the tables that John had designed and I changed mm-hmm. the sentence because in Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, to stick with the cyberpunk trope, uh you're doing a job. So you've been hired you, in the premise, okay. in the opening paragraph of Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, you're, um, you're a team that corporations hire to do jobs and your leader, uh, is unconscious because he's been inflicted with this, uh, strange techno virus. Uh, so, uh, you're on your own to do this next job while he's like, while he's recovering. And so the sentence is a little different in mine. The sentence is, uh, the client wants you to, and then, you know, pick one of those things. Um, so like, for instance, the client wants you to steal and then there's an object, um, you know, so something like a valuable scientist and then a location, mm-hmm. um, from at the hottest nightclub in town opposed by, um, let's see, opposed by a powerful mega corporation. And then the last part, which is because these games are essentially heist, there's a secret one that you don't tell the players, which is called the twist. And, uh, so it could be, for instance, um, the intel is bad. So, um, select a second location where the object really is located. Um, and there's six of those. Yeah. So that's the one, the twist. So the first four, you tell the players right up front and then the twist you save Mm -hmm. for yourself. Nice. And then Senda, did you do something similar? Um, mine doesn't have any sort of twist. It is actually pretty much exactly straight up the the same tables. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it is interesting because I have found this to be one of the hardest parts is making sure that, you know, all six options work with all the other options on all of the other things so that it doesn't matter what you roll. <laughs> it's actually harder than it first appears. Like, there's a trick to it. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, because I started, um, I started messing with it, and and part of that is because you know, magical girls, um, you know, maybe the object that that you're dealing with could be evil or it could be good, and they're trying to steal it, or it could be evil and you're trying to stop it. But you basically to have mm-hmm. a table that everything works with everything, you just have to have really generalized stuff in there so that it can play either way. It was interesting because it was specifically okay. the uh, it was specifically kind of the the target object slash stuff um that was uh actually catching me up <laughs> it was it, it's funny that that is it's it feels like it should have been like really easy to write all of those but i had the hardest time with those but my sentence actually reads the same way um i think uh, almost exactly the same way as the actual original one it hmm. just it starts with the team's nemesis and then of course okay. you have your options like the dark heart collective um wants to <laughs> adjective um, the mm-hmm. object, <laughs> future dystopian kingdom, um, future utopian kingdom, sorry, um, to do X, you know, destroy Earth or power their super weapon or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And exactly how much fun did you have naming all of the nemeses? <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I had too many names. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I had a lot of fun. So I was like, like, can we change this to a D10? Right. <laughs> I had a lot of fun then too. Like once, once I start playing at the table as a GM, having things like, um, I think when I ran the game for you, Megan, I think my nemesis was the, um, I want to say it was the Negastar. Uh-huh. And no, no, it wasn't. It was the Black Hole Cult. Oh, it was yeah, the yeah. Black Hole Cult. Yes. And so all of my, yes, all, of, all of my little minions had like creepy space names. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Like the Singularity Sisters. Good. Oh, it was very fun. Yes. So I have a lot of fun, um, you know, because that's really magical girly, like, is that, like, everybody mm-hmm. from that thing is all related, which, I mean, relates back to, like, you as a magical girls group are, like, the gems or the swans or whatever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone <laughs> is very heavily themed, and it's fantastic. Very, very, and I love it. <laughs> I have a lot of fun with the themes part. <laughs> it's so much fun to play in. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, and you actually, yeah. And you actually answered one of my uh, next questions a little bit, which is what is, what's the most difficult thing about modifying or hacking a, such a rules light system like this, like a, a small system like lasers and feelings. Yeah. And f- for me, it was those. Um, and then it was, um, it was honestly just trying to write out things like how the tropes work to try and give someone who doesn't have a magical girl's idea um, an idea of how it runs. And then to have really good, um, solid leading adjectives for character creation, I think. But um, that was love and justice. How about Rocker Boys and Vending Machines? Yeah. So, yeah, adjectives were adjectives were definitely a thing. Like, I, I poured over those adjectives uh, constantly, like, in the in the early draft, because I wanted to make sure that they they captured that cyberpunk, uh, that cyberpunk feel. Uh, and then I think the next hardest part was uh, not to keep developing rules. Right. Like, there's there's this urge, like, oh, oh there should be a rule for I did this. that, too. Yeah. It's like, no, there really shouldn't. Like, no. like cut it out. It's... Just do what John did, which is stick to that core mechanic and just let the narrative do every do everything else. So, you know, there are in Rocker Boys and Vending Machines, there are no hacking rules, right? There's no separate hacking rules. There's no definition mm-hmm. of cyberspace. Like, you know, it can be the mm-hmm. Gibsonian, you know, um, it could be the Gibsonian type of cyberspace. It could be an augmented reality. It doesn't matter. Like it, um, it doesn't matter. It's whatever you want it to be at the table. And so... Yeah, like resisting the urge to jam any of that into the game was super hard. Do both of your games fit on one page? No. Um, <laughs> my, mine hasn't Fail. reached a stage of layout yet, so good question. Mm. <laughs> uh, mine, mine fits on the front and back of a single page, so I maybe that counts, but okay. I think the, the original Lasers and Feelings sure. fits on one side. So yeah. I'm double, I'm double that. Uh, but I have, yeah. but I, I have, um, I have sexier artwork than the original <laughs> Love and Justice. So. Oh yes. Oh no, original lasers and feelings. Wink. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Original lasers and feelings. <laughs> yeah. I, I have better artwork. Like John, yeah. John put a little spaceship on his, but like I actually have, okay. I have a rocker girl and and a vending machine. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, good art. Yeah. I enjoyed them a pretty lot. Good. We should turn the tables. We should we should turn the tables. And I'm gonna yeah. ask I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Meg a question. Um, because you uh, are the fabulous artist <laughs> who, who did the illustrations for Rocker Boys and Vending Machines. Um, yeah. Full disclosure, yes. How <laughs> this how has was been it, a setup and a ploy. <laughs> how was it receiving the art order so, for both of those? Because you know, I I wrote them up, so mm-hmm. What was your take like when you opened uh, the email was, and was like, what? <laughs> I Okay, so I had already done some artwork uh, for somebody else, but but directed at you. Uh, uh, yeah. So yes. the bar was already set real high for weird. 
but we love it <laughs> so much. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to be completely honest, you had one of the more thorough briefs that I have received for commission work. So thank you. I knew exactly what was expected of me. Uh, and it was a good time. <laughs> I just, you know, I imagined as I was writing it, I'm like, okay, I want an autonomous vending machine with a katana. Uh-huh. Like, is yeah. that you? And it was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I've, I've played role-playing games. This this tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I pl- playtested uh, Rocker Boys and vending machines, I ended up playing an autonomous uh, motorcycle. And my cybernetic part was mm-hmm. that I could basically transformers into a uh, bipedal robot thing. It was great. <laughs> Which almost That's made it into cool. the art order. But yeah. I, fe- I felt but like if we didn't really have a vending machine. Yeah, you had to have a vending machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so are do you think you're going to do any more lasers and feelings hacks in the future are you completely addicted to this now <laughs> or did you just have to do the one and just kind of let it go oh no on the show i forgot we were talking about doing another hack and i forget yeah. what it i forget what i was gonna do Dark and flannel. It's your nineties, nineties music dark. store. <laughs> I want this. I want this. That's right. That's what it was going to be. That that's yeah. Dark and flannel. Dark and flannel. That's oh that's boy. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna. I'll go back to work. I'll I'll, I'll start working on something. Yes, please. I don't even think I'm going to do... I, I don't want to track too close to Hannah Schaefer's stuff, so I don't even want to do Record mm-hmm. Store, but I'll just... I'll make it like generic mm-hmm. 90s problems. Like... Yeah, it could be generic okay. 90s high school problems. Yes. Well, at, no, you know what? For night, No, because 80s. Mm-hmm. So 80s movies were all high school movies, and okay. then 90s movies were like yeah. when everyone got out of college. So like they're like all getting their first jobs and becoming, you know, grossly disillusioned yes. with how life works. <laughs> okay that's that's i'm gonna i gotta write this make it I gotta write this thing down like this is i can't let this one get away yeah. this time oh i still haven't forgotten yeah <laughs> come on i'm getting a piece of paper right now bless you <laughs> it's in the outtakes somewhere oh, I need this in my life i don't remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know i know i have more magical girls in my future I, I don't know if there's more lasers mm-hmm. and feelings in my future. I'm sure that if inspiration strikes, I will tackle it again because I love that. I love that simplicity and of the mechanic and how easy it is to just like morph it to whatever. And basically, basically the tools that you give the GM and the adjectives that you write into it are the things that create the genre for the game. And I think that it's fascinating that you can do so much with so little on the page. So I think it's brilliant yeah. personally. Absolutely. Had had either one of you done any kind of hacks for games before? Yeah, I have. Um, in, well, Encoded Designs did the conversion of um, part of Third Eye Games' Part Time Gods. We did the Fate version of mm-hmm. it, so Part Time Gods of Fate. Mm. And okay, we. I had also before that privately, um, I had hacked one of my favorite '90s games. This game called Underground. I had made a Fate version of it that I was running because I didn't want to run. Uh, the original system anymore. So yeah, I've um, I've messed around with a few different uh, a few different hacks, and this one just seemed like it was this one just seemed like it was going to be so much fun to do because it was just super fast and um, I you know could get all cyberpunky for for a bit. I haven't hacked game mechanics before, but I hack um, 
games in terms of um, genre twisting and that sort of thing a lot, mm-hmm. um, which I think actually was really good preparation for doing lasers and feelings as a different genre because it's um, you know it's taking the tropes from um, from a genre and mushing them into mm-hmm. a thing that they can relate to that was not necessarily created to do that. That I end up doing a lot. Um, but um, but this was the first time I'd actually sat down and been like, I'm going to hack a game! Because I was convinced that I was just a GM and not a game designer. <laughs> and that is in the process of changing at the moment. Surprise! That, that's Surprise! How <laughs> Here we are! <laughs> just sort of sneaks up on you. It kind of did. Would you recommend Lasers and Feelings as like a, a first game or a first hack for people who want to give it a try? Well, I think so. I think that the challenges in Lasers and Feelings in terms of not bloating it and being really leading with your language are actually things that um, while they I mean, they, they take a little bit of, you know, thought process because they're like, oh, wait, this is how John did it. And like, wow, he really did that amazingly. And now I have to try and recreate that for a different genre. Like, but no matter what mm-hmm. game you then went on to do, I think that those skills would serve you very well. Because that's, you know, okay. Yeah, a I, large I, part of merging mechanics and genre. Yeah, I think I think it's a great exercise in um marrying genre to to rules so if you you know the best tip i can give is don't mess with the actual core mechanic like it's good uh if you want to tack something onto it like senda did with the helping die or the the finale like that's fine but the core of the game um the core of the game is really fine the way it is and so then uh the simplest hacks you can do are really just to redress the setting uh, over those mechanics. And, uh, the way I did it, like I literally just followed what John had and kept editing it as I was going along going, okay, <laughs> what's the cyberpunk equivalent of this? What's the cyberpunk equivalent of that? And it, um, it totally, like it totally worked that way. Cool. That's about all I had, to be honest. We can sing, we can... I don't know if there's anything else. <laughs> yeah, do, do, do you need to? Are you contractually obligated to sing I, on every podcast that you're on? contractually or? obligated to sing. I think I think in this particular case, the song that needs to be sung is... Um, <clears throat> You've got lasers and I've got feelings. Your lonely heart could use some healing. You've got lasers and I've got feelings for you. Because it just had to happen. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. <laughs> now you have a clip. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, the other fun thing is if you, if you, if you read through that game, like what's really funny about this is when, when Phil reads through that game, he's like, oh man, Star Trek. And when I read through that game, I'm like, oh man, double clicks. Cause like the captain's name is Captain Darcy and it's Laser and Feelings and like the whole thing. So it's warped how I remember like the song Mr. Darcy because I start singing Captain Darcy instead. <laughs> it's really funny. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Double clicks. How did the game with the double clicks go? I'm curious about that. Oh, man. It went really, really well. It was only the second time I had ever run it. And like I said, I had an oh, hour. Um, and I was like, I was super nervous because I was also very, like, awesome, starstruck. That's the word I'm looking for. I was mm-hmm. very starstruck. They were very nice. It was actually, it was, so it was with Angela and Aubrey and then Brian Patterson, um, who does D20 Monkey and a bunch mm. of the artwork for the new Fate games that have been coming out recently. So he does, um, he's contracted yeah. with Evil Hat. 
Um, so I was like, I was super intimidated. <laughs> um, and then it went, it went super well. And, um, and they were like, it's super good. And I had to stop using that scenario because I liked the way that that scenario started so much that I used it again a bunch of times, which was that it was, um, mm -hmm. I don't remember. I think it was, it was something like space slimes were trying to get void crystals to destroy a galaxy. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Phil actually played this scenario, right? And so the first thing that always happens is like Captain Darcy is out of commission, right? And they're flying along mm -hmm. and suddenly there's like space slime hitting the windscreen uh, or slugs. whatever it would they're be. Slugs. They're slugs, right? They're space slugs hitting hitting the, the equivalent of the of the, the windshield right and it's really funny to me because one of the things that everybody always does is like oh i turn on the windshield wipers <laughs> like so that i'm oh, always God, imagining God. this like enterprise ship like flying through space like with little windshield wipers like wee, 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 wee. <laughs> um but I think yeah I got, infected. I got infected by one of them that's what definitely oh they were alien brain worms that's what it was. Yes. Yeah, that's oh. what they are. Yeah, so they like, I mean, my version of them that I just have gone with because it developed over multiple games is that they try to go in your ear and like take over your brain. Okay. Yeah, that happened to Phil. Sure. He let that happen. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh. I'm just, I, I just, I just wrote up the line for Dark and Flannel. So it's the lasers and feelings hack to emulate 90s friends movies, a group yes. of disillusioned teens having to solve problems. Something like PCU meets singles and reality bites. Yes. <laughs> Next game on the list. I think I'll just, I think, I, I think I'm oh, just going to pick a day and knock that off real quick. <laughs> Finally, it's been like a I year. I'm very happy. <laughs> Wait, it can't have been a year. We've only got 59 episodes. It was definitely not in the first seven. So, okay. <laughs> was it a pandas thing? Did that come out of pandas? Uh, yeah, it's totally in our outtakes. Oh, I never, I, I, yeah, I knew I said it one day, but it's one of those things like once, once you record like two podcasts a week, like you, uh -huh. it's all a blur. Like uh -huh. there was a mic mm -hmm. and I was talking, but I, I don't remember who was sitting across from me. <laughs> Fine. I guess I'm just I not do memorable. Why? I don't even know what I say. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That I can't be true. Oh, I don't think so, really. <laughs> and flannel yeah that that first game and um actually so it's on she's a super geek like you can go listen to it it's a one episode one shot and it was it was really great and they were really all three of them were fantastic players and um i think i ran it decently actually <laughs> it was good you, nice. you actually run that game quite uh quite well well thank you <laughs> We'll have to put a link to it in the show notes. Oh, if she well, didn't, we may you. have never been co-hosts. Like if, if she had done a lousy right. job running yeah. it, I might have, you know, just been like, oh, just okay, have to play something else. Well, and it's actually really funny because I, I consider the session that I ran for you guys, like it was a good session, but it wasn't one of the crappiest ways I've ever ended it. Right? Like I saw us steering into like a secondary plot line that was going to become like a, a, a giant thing that I was like, I can't wrap this up in like the next 20 minutes <laughs> and was just like, so shall we leave it there? Okay. No. <laughs> I mean, it, I, don't, I think it was okay. It did everything it was supposed to. And you're right. It was starting to sprawl uh, because a number to... of us, a number of us were having like way too much fun. Yeah. Um, kind of running them up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you were playing chicken about kissing the captain. Uh, not the captain. 
the um, mm, the first acting officer. captain, acting yes. captain. Yeah, the first officer and I were about to have an X card moment in the, in the game, and <laughs> we're, we're basically playing oh, no. to see who was going to back down first, and neither one of us was. Oh, no. uh, it was. It was. Pretty it wound hilarious. up in bed. It did. It, it wound up in it, bed, it, and then the sprinklers turned on with the salt water, and the brain slug died in your head. <laughs> that's right, and I came oh, to in, in the bed. Yeah, in the bed. <laughs> Whoops! It was fantastic. <laughs> Adding play more games with Senda to my list of things to do. <laughs> will that you be at Origins? Ah, oh, I will not. I haven't done Origins before. Neither so have I, but I'm going this year. I've already put the I've already Ooh. put the QCC press on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you coming to QCC? I got that pitch. Good. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. Are you yeah. going to meditate? Yeah, I would like to. Uh, almost definitely. Okay. Yeah, I guess this is a good. What uh, What cons can people find you guys at in the near future, <laughs> or the further future of like Metatopia? The further future. I mean, so I'm, um, I know I'm going to Origins and then I know I'm going to QCC and then I think I'm going to Metatopia, but I might go to a catacon because I love to catacon, but I also really want to go to Metatopia. Like I'm like in this torn in half place, but I think I'm probably going to Metatopia. Uh, I'm also going to Origins and I, uh, QCC, Queen City Conquest is in my hometown. So I will be, um, obviously at, uh, the Queen City Conquest. And uh, I'm definitely going to Metatopia. I haven't, I've been wanting to go for years and haven't had a chance. And so I really want to, I really want to go. And since I learned that it's only six oh, hours from here by one. car, I'm like, oh, I'm going. Plus um, empanadas. Yeah. Oh man, the empanadas. Yeah. Like, yes. Really I good. know. For yes. people who've been to Morristown, you know, <laughs> Raul. Let's... We mm-hmm. ate like kings. <laughs> <laughs> so much good food. So good. So mm. much tastiness. So lots of lots of good events to look forward to. Opportunities to play games, possibly some of these games with you guys in the future. Uh, but where can we find you on the internet? Sure. <laughs> you I can do this. I know how to do this. Um, uh-huh, sure. I so really, you, I'm, I'm you. just going to sit here and laugh. Yeah. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at uh, at DNA Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, mm-hmm. also find uh, the Misdirected Mark podcast that records uh, live every Tuesday evening at eight forty five p.m. Eastern, six forty five p.m. The Queen's time. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that broadcast live on Twitch, or you can just catch the recorded show wherever you normally get your podcasts. And um, you can also catch me on Pandas Talking Games, uh, which is also part of the Misdirected Mark Network. And then um, you can see what stuff I'm designing by following at Encoded Designs. How about you, Senda? Excellent. Was that all of it? Okay. Um, well, you can find me individually on Twitter at the most unspellable, unpronounceable handle ever, which is Idella Mithland. I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. Yes, I can still spell it. <laughs> or, or just go to She's a Super Geek and, and find her. Get there. Right. So um, you can also find um, She's a Super Geek at Sasgeek Podcast um, or Sasgeek.com for the rest of our social media. And you can find Pandas Talking Games at Pandas Talk Games or bit.ly slash capital M, capital M, capital P, A N D A. Oh, I remembered it. Take that. And that's, and that's Pandas. Nice. That's Panda Talk Games, not Pandas, pandas Stock Games. Stock Games. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't, mostly we don't. don't. Condone stalking. <laughs> Only game designers. <laughs> no stocking, unless it's 
game designers. designers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> and we'll have all the links in the show notes if any of that was hard to spell. So <laughs> look, look for that thing. <laughs> if Thank any you of both that was so hard much. to spell, she says. <laughs> <laughs> spell it. Spell Absolutely. it right now. I don't think I've ever tried to read your... No. <laughs> I don't think I've ever tried to say your Twitter name out loud. I think I just see it and it's like, yes, that collection of letters is Senda. <laughs> it's um so it's terrible because it was the name of a D&D character that I was playing when I got into Twitter and it was a friend of mine who oh, was God. in that same D&D game who started tweeting in character and he made a Twitter account for his character okay. and I was like, this is awesome cuz this game isn't really keeping my attention, so I'm going to tweet in character, and that's great. So I set up my first Twitter account, and I was like, I'm mm -hmm. in character, so I named it after my character, right? Yeah, well, my character's name was, you know, name generator name, so that's why it's a mess, because it's elf, ah. elf name generator. Um, and then what happened is I started getting into podcasts and stuff and interacting with people, and then by the time I realized that I had the most un- spellable thing ever it was like way too late it was like way too late to change it and i was like well <laughs> okay it was like well. 16 episodes of jokes when on right. talking to you. <laughs> yeah outtakes forever i got a lot of Good. mileage out of her Good. twitter handle was, you sure did good. And then I finally was like, look, we're going to set up a Pandas Talking Games Twitter handle so people don't have to spell this anymore. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh. What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> Thanks again to Senda and Phil for chatting with and serenading me. If you don't already listen to them elsewhere, definitely check out Panda's Talking Games and their links in the show notes. That's it for this week, heroes. You can find Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast or at the headquarters at modifierpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send comments, questions, or contribution suggestions to modifierpodcast at gmail.com. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as that helps more people find us. Modifier is a proud member of the OneShot Podcast Network, an amazing family of RPG podcasts that includes incredible shows like OneShot, Campaign, backstory, and talking tabletop. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then!